Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. It is nine o'clock on the west. It is noon on the east. Good to be with everybody on this fantastic Thursday. And uh, hope you're having a hope you're having a great week. I want to say hi to all our friends in the uh, the mortgage, real estate, financial services world. I know that we have a lot of people watching these these live sessions, and I'm super grateful that you guys choose to join us. And if you're a leader, this is something that you ought to forward to your team. Make sure they get these glimpses of performance and and kind of introspection on what's happening in the, the the business and what's happening in terms of just being our personal best, personal growth, all those great things. I had an opportunity last week to be on a, a pretty significant um, national podcast. It was hosted by MGIC, and you know I have great affinity for that mortgage insurance brand. I remember in the late '90s, I um, invented a one-day program called Breakaway Selling. And I remember that MGIC was my tour partner, and we I think we hit 35 cities in about 120 days. And so to be back on a podcast with MGIC as a sponsor was was super, super cool. One of the questions that I was asked on that podcast was a question that went something like this. Um, if you could go back to when you first started in the loan business, what are the, the lessons that you wish you had learned earlier? So I thought today I would do like this interview with me. I'm not sure quite how it's going to come out, but I, I remember in that dialogue that there was there was specifically three things that kind of struck me that they would have been the lessons that I would like to have learned sooner rather than later. So I'm going to go ahead and share these three lessons with you. I'm going to unpack them a little bit. And uh, about 18 minutes from now, you'll be off to the races to have a, uh, a really great Thursday. Okay. So <clears throat> what was the first lesson I wish I had learned earlier? The first lesson I wish I had learned earlier was this simple lesson. Quality creates quantity. That is a lesson. And I think what I was doing is I was more concerned with the numbers. I was more concerned with how many loans I was doing than how well I was doing each loan. And I began to, to understand probably six or seven months into it that the more I did, the, the less demand I had because I wasn't producing a quality product. And you can take that word quality and you can apply it across, you know, almost every layer of, of business, right? I, I don't think I had quality relationships. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I don't think that I spent enough time on structuring my loans and in those days turning in a completed application. They were they were complete, but they 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 lacked a lot of the detail that my team needed to have in order to be able to produce and move that that loan through the system quickly. And, uh, and, and then I didn't really have quality relationships with my, my ops team. And, and so I was so much more concerned with just doing the numbers and what ended up happening. And I'm sure you've all experienced this. Like if you're, if your pipeline is low, which is probably not the case for anybody right this moment that's in mortgage, but if your pipeline is, is low and you go to fill it, if you fill it with the wrong business, compromised business, marginalized business, with compromised people, marginalized people, maybe on the bubble of even qualifying type people, you end up at a certain point having to stop bringing the business in because now you have to start making sure 
you take the business through all the way to completion. And what I learned is that like, for example, in the loan business, I learned that, um, I learned that good loans rarely get better. And I learned that bad loans always get worse. So for me, it was about, okay, so, so what do I do to really put like the gold stamp of approval on my business? Right. And so it took a conversation with my branch manager. And again, remember, this is an interview with me. So what were, what were the lessons I wish I had learned earlier? So I sat down with Bob and Bob said, um, your, your ops team doesn't like you. And that's, you know, when you're in the, when you're in the loan business and, and you know, you need an operations team, you know, that you want them to like you. And I said, so why? And they, and, and what Bob said is he said, they think you're taking advantage of them. And I, well, I said, so how is that? And, um, and he said, your loans are not complete. The, the detail and the data that they need is not always there. It's a little bit illegible. Your handwriting is horrible, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this is all pre pre technology. And so what Bob said is he said, I need you to make sure you understand that the better you do upfront, the easier it is on everybody and probably the faster we can get deals done and probably the smoother those deals will get done. And so he said, I want you to spend an extra five or 10 or 15 minutes up front, making sure that what you turn in is gold so that it can go through the system smoothly. And he used this analogy of Picasso and Picasso, you know, being obviously a, a, a painter and an artist and as well as an inventor and, and all kinds of other things. Um, use the story that when Picasso was painting, that if the painting didn't really have the resonating factor that, that he thought would, would create a masterpiece, he wouldn't sign it. <clears throat> and Bob said, you need to think about your loans like he thought about his paintings, you know, turn in really, really good deals, spend some more time up front. And so it was a lesson that I learned and I probably learned it in the first 12 months, but I wish I had learned it in day one. And here's how it kind of works. If you, if you don't worry about quantity and, and all you focus on is quality, it actually creates more demand, which is quantity. If you do it the other way around and you're focused on quantity and not excellence in the form of quality, you actually will watch your business suffer. And it could be these up, up and down cycles I'm talking about. It could be working, you know, a whole year, but only really making it at the end of the day money every other month because you're, you're switching from sell it, sales to kind of fixing all the loans that should have been done a little bit better. And so I know that as, as we think about um, running a, a high performance business, just at the simplest, like, what does that look like? The one thing that has to be part of every high performance business is quality absolute quality. So that's a lesson that I wish I had learned earlier. A second lesson that, um, that I wish I had learned earlier, although I took action on it probably 15 or 16 months into the business is the lesson I learned was from Mike Ferry. And Mike Ferry said to us, he was hired by my company to, to do a speech. And, um, and he and I were talking at the break and he said, he said, if you don't have an assistant, you are one. And I know we have a lot of followers and a lot of friends that have heard that over and over and over again. And yet it is a lesson that I even think today in 2020, um, originators and real estate agents and, and people in financial services haven't really, really mastered. And I began thinking about our, our coaching company and I began thinking about what happens when, <clears throat> when our coaches interact with coaching members who decide that they want a better life, a better business, a better version of themselves. And 
one of the first things we will do is we will ask you about what you do with your time. We'll even ask you to go into potentially a, like a 14 day time journal experience. And when you think about coaching and you think about, when you think about what advice do I really need? It would be my hope that most of the, 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 the real salient advice that you would get early on is there's only so much you can do. And furthermore, there's only so much you can do and do well. And so the biggest breakthrough for me was to realize two things. One, there's certain things I'm doing that I'm not good at. And two, there's a lot of things that aren't getting done because I simply don't have the bandwidth to get it done. And so what I learned was if you, if you begin to analyze your time and you begin to, to really take a look at where it's going and you start to realize one of two things, um, this is not getting done, it needs to get done, but I'm not the one to do it or this is not getting done at all because I don't have the bandwidth to get it done. Somewhere in between those two observations is the need to begin to understand the value of building a team. Now, I'm not, I'm not selling you on building a team. I'm, I'm sure many of you watching this have people on your team. I know that as we, as we look at like one of our, our flagship events is the, the High Trust Sales Academy. It happens that this one was supposed to be in May this year and it didn't take place but this is the this is the binder that we go through over four days and it's 350 pages and one of the sections in there contains 116 things your business needs to do every single month and when you look at that you go there's, there's no way i can do 116 things and you're right you can't <clears throat> there's a problem though and the problem is you're not paying attention to what needs to get done because there's only so much you can do, or you have somebody on your team, but you don't have enough, enough bench strength yet to execute all 116 things. And they're all pieces of running a successful mortgage and real estate business. So you look at anybody who is a high performer and the lesson they, they learn early on <clears throat> is the lesson of what am I good at? You know, what are my strengths that bring me joy and, and that I can do easily, excuse me. <clears throat> and then, you know, what are the things that just simply are not getting done? They're just not getting done. It doesn't mean the business isn't happening. It's just the business businesses and scaling. And so I want you to be thinking as you, as you kind of go through your days and as you kind of look at, at what you do with your time, I want you to be thinking that one of the, the most important things our coaching team does, our coaching faculty does, is they help you minimize the amount of time that is being spent on, let's call it non-essential things that you normally do. And that doesn't mean that they're non-essential for the business. It means they're non-essential for you. You should not be doing them. They're essentially necessary, but for you to do them, pulls you away from the highest money-making activities. And so when I hired my first assistant 18 months in, I realized that there was a lot that just simply was not getting done. And there was other stuff like taking loan applications that I was good at influence,
but I was not good at the actual physical application in terms of it being complete and thorough. So what did I do? So the first thing is my assistant sat with me during my consultations to make sure that everything we did was done at level 10 in terms of quality. And then that way, as the, the business went in, ops loved us and we started getting the kind of attention everybody would want from their ops team. And there was this really symbiotic relationship between having somebody that I could delegate quality to and having somebody on the other end, the receiving end of the deals, realizing that I own this now, I've made this change. And when our coaches help you discover how many hours are actually not being spent generating revenue and how many hours are legitimately and opportunistically available to generate revenue, we start to excise out of that delta what's getting in the way. And so when you when you figure out what's getting in the way and you start to put up a an offense on those things and, and you start to package and block those things um, to either specific times during the day or to delegate them to somebody on your team, you start making more money per minute spent. And as far as I'm concerned, there, there's, there's never in my life as a, as a professional mortgage banker and a teacher and author, there's never been a time in my life where um, I have watched somebody not win in hiring and building a team with the exception of not hiring the right people for that team. Otherwise, when you have the right people on your team, I have never seen the business go down and down and down. I see it dip, right? If we're going to train somebody and get them up to speed, that's going to happen. We're going to see the dip, but we're going to see it come back up and it's going to cross where it was and it's going to take off. So that was a lesson that I wish I, I had learned earlier. And so first lesson, quality creates con quantity. Second lesson, if you don't have an assistant, you are one, okay? And you've got to get that clear in your head. And then the third lesson is a lesson that I learned and I learned it, I learned it in the first two years and it came about after probably four months, I was trying to make a difference in close to a thousand realtors lives. And, you know, I'm in the mortgage business and I'm calling on these real estate offices and I'm supposed to influence, you know, literally hundreds, in some cases, agents in one office. And I was trying to be everything to everyone. Right. And and then I got a deal from somebody and it was like a train wreck. It was just like, oh, my gosh, you know, did I really take a loan from this person? You probably know what I'm talking about. It's the type of person that you wish you had never met. It's the type of person that like calls you three times a day. Um, and, and just rattles your cage. It's the kind of person that, you know, behind the scenes, if this deal doesn't work out, they're, they're, they may not be able to make their mortgage payment. And, uh, and I started realizing, I started realizing that, you know, I, I, I've got to be really careful who I do business with. And so I met this guy named John Barnes and John came into a real estate office that, that my, uh, my friend's father owned. And I was there one day watching how, mortgage professionals and realtors interact and whatnot. And I remember John coming in and this is an old story, but it's a story that changed my life. And he came in and he had an appointment with the number one realtor in America that happened to be in this Remax office. And it was mind blowing to see how he came in, his presence of mind, what he did, how he did it. He, he engaged this person. They were in a meeting for probably close to an hour. 
And at the end of that meeting, they both emerged back to the front lobby. And John said to Paula, I appreciate your time today. And I look forward to a mutually successful, long and profitable partnership. And for me, that was like nothing I had ever heard before, nothing I had ever even considered before. And so when I reached out to John and had a conversation with him, he began telling me, he said um, something to the effect of um, you don't want to do business with anybody who you're not excited about doing business with and who is not excited about doing business with you. And that was kind of that was new for me. Right. And then he said, um, you never want to do business with somebody who doesn't believe in the same things you believe in. And that was kind of new for me, although now looking back, it makes all the sense in the world. And um, and he said, if you have fewer of the right people, you'll have an easier business, a more streamlined business, a more profitable business, and you will have less stress and less worry rather than having a whole bunch of people that you're trying to get potentially maybe the same amount of business from. So it was very interesting when I began really understanding that I don't need more people. I need less of the right people and I need to be in sync with them. We've got to believe in the same things. We've got to say, share the same moral code. You know, we have to we have to both want to be efficient. We have to both want to be profitable. We have to both want to be balanced. If I'm one and they're the other, then it's not going to work out. And so I recalled um, as I was writing our our new Connect series, which is our new 16 hour video series that is is out and available today. One of the sections had to do with really taking a look at the dynamics of of a conversation that I had with a guy named Ken Blanchard. And and many of you may not know who Ken is. Uh, The seasoned veterans will. Ken is the guy that wrote the trilogy of uh, the three books that were raving fans. and then Gung Ho, and then Big Bucks. And those were three books in sequence of how to create raving fans, okay? How to get the team to understand the value of raving fans and how to monetize raving fans, those three books. He also was famous for the One Minute Manager and Situational Leadership. Ken's, I think, close to mid eighties right now, maybe, and has just changed this world in terms of stuff. And he and I were friends and we were on a plane coming back from Dallas and I had a I had a personnel issue at a high level at, at, at an executive level. And so I was telling Ken about it. And what Ken said is he said, what I've learned is relationships have two parts. They have this part called essence and then they have this part called form and, and form. Think of form as managing. Think of essence as as not having to manage. Think of if if you guys share the same essence, believe in the same things the relationship is more effortless. It requires less negative energy and it has more celebratory energy, positive energy versus negative energy. You know, the, you know, the energy I'm talking about, right? When working with a person drains you versus working with the person inspires you. And so what Ken was telling me is he said, anytime that you have a relationship where there is no essence, the energy necessary to carry that relationship is inequitable. It's just inequitable. What you will ever get will not even be worth what you always give. And that really hit me hard. And I started thinking about, you know, how many people have I taken a deal from that in really looking back over it, um, I'm not excited about that person. And and you think about it, you think about lifeblood, you think about, you know, this thing that we call our personal life being traded for this thing that is our business life. And the lesson that I wish I'd learned really early is the lesson that I learned, you know, soon, but I learned it even years later in listening to some Jim Rohn material 
when he said, and, and many of the veterans that, that know me know, know this phrase, but he said, there's enough people who will do business the way you want to do business to not worry about those who won't. So that lesson for me was massive. And if we were to take that lesson of essence and energy and dumb it down to one thing, one thing, one word, it would be the word chemistry. If, if you and I do not feel chemistry, there's nothing we can do to make the relationship super functional. If I'm not attracted to you professionally and you're not attracted to me, if I don't feel like I like you and it's natural or you don't feel like you like me and it's natural, there is no way that that relationship will ever be sustainable. It won't be fun. It won't be joyful. It won't be profitable. And at the end of the day, you're going to get a lot of blame from those types of people for things that you're not even legitimately responsible for. So three lessons I learned, brand new LO, probably every lesson within about 18 months, quality creates quantity. The better job you do on any one transaction or deal, the more transactions and deals you'll get. Second lesson is if I don't have an assistant, I am one. What are the tasks that you're doing that are not paying you $3,000 an hour, assuming that's the commission you make on the loan or not paying you, I don't know, even more, five, seven, $10,000 an hour if you're in real estate and not spending your time selling, listing and negotiating real estate. And then the third is absolutely life is too short to do business with people you don't like. Okay, so wake up every day excited about these three lessons. Um, our sales mastery event is live and uh, ready to roll. We are gaining momentum this week and excited about the sales mastery digital experience they're going to be bringing to you this year. So just check that out as you meander through the week and as you set yourself up for another uh, great week next week. And I, I hope and pray that you guys are having a healthy experience right now. I know that we're still trying to get back to doing business. And I know the lending business is slammed to the gills and I know real estate is coming back and uh, we're here to help you at any time, any place with anything you need. Okay. So thanks for watching today. Hopefully the 20 minutes was valuable. We'll see you next Tuesday.